Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active, that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you would use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that we would leave here different in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My name is Matt Krachunas, and I am your pastor. I got saved when I was 15 years old, man. God radically saved me. And ever since then, I just, I just want to tell people about Jesus, man. It's the reason why when I was in high school and the rest of y'all were partying and drinking and smoking weed, I didn't. It's the reason why I didn't have sex until I got married. It's the reason why I saved myself all these pains. It's because I knew God called me to be a pastor when I was 16 years old. I didn't wake up someday and have this nefarious plan of like, I'm going to put the chairs close together and make it cold in the room. Like, like, like... Come on, man. I just want people to know about Jesus. I just want people to know about him. God told us to pioneer a church. By the grace of God, he brought up Jay and Shelly and the Fullertons to help us to pioneer this church in 2003. And I love Christ's church, man. I love it. And I love him. I love him more than I love you. And that's how it should be. Because I'm going to answer to him. I'm not going to answer to you. And I love him so that you will love him, not so that you will love me. Jesus has changed me and I want you to be changed. Now throughout this message, what I want you to do is, is there is a ton of supporting scriptures for all of these points. And so this week, this message will be on line with all the supporting scriptures because I want you to know that this is Bible. This is from the Word of God. And so if you have questions, you can look and you can study. And I really encourage you to, you actually should do that every week, but this week most especially. So let's get into it. This is going to go fast. Hold on. Number one, this is a church that Jesus is the supreme leader. Okay? I am an under-shepherd to the great shepherd. My job is to lead this church under his direction. And so whatever he wants is what we will do. And what he wants is outlined in scripture. And so I'm not going to go against what the scripture says because he is the leader of this church. Why? Because it's his church. He purchased this church with his own blood. He established this when he was on this earth. And so I am an under shepherd to the great shepherd. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, that in all things, he may have preeminence. Also, Ephesians 5.23, Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. I will follow his lead, and I will help you to follow his lead, and we will go by his word and by his spirit, and we will do what he wants, not what we want. Secondly, this is a church that believes in the whole word of God. All of it. We believe from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between. We don't pick and choose. We believe it all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And if it's in there, we believe it. Even as this world begins to change and wants to call it hate speech, we will continue to preach the 
word of God. I'm prepared and ready for whatever attacks will come upon me from preaching the word of God. I don't care what the world says about it. I care what the word says about it. Amen. I don't even care if we look weird or they don't understand us. I don't care because God's word is true. Amen. This is a church that will preach the whole counsel of God. I had one of my professors say to me in college that every sermon left to itself is heresy. And the reason why is, is because I cannot preach the whole entire Bible every single time. You've got to judge a church based on a year of preaching, not a week of preaching. It doesn't work that way. And so as your pastor, this verse burns in my heart, Acts 20, verse 26 and 27, 28. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This church was purchased by the blood of Jesus. He died on the cross so that you could have a church. And so in that church, I will preach the whole counsel of God. We're going to touch on everything over the course of a year or two. Sometimes it's going to be grace. Sometimes it's going to be mercy. Sometimes it's going to be love and unity. And sometimes it's wrath and damnation and service and history and money and sin and sex and all these different things that the Bible talks about. And so you can't take one sermon and be like, oh, what's going on here? I'm just preaching a sermon, man. I'm doing the best thing that I can for that week. This is a church that believes in pastors. We believe in pastors. The Bible said that that, that God said, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. And I pray, Lord, give me your heart. Give me your heart for the people. Give me your heart for the word. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable to you. There's only one person in this room right now that's going to be held accountable to God for this church and it's me and I don't take that lightly. I don't take it at all. you're not you're not having a sleepless night on Saturday night wondering if you're gonna preach something that's gonna lead somebody the wrong direction so when you stand before God he's gonna be like why did you say that I, I, I live it and breathe it every single day and it's not something that I take lightly pastors are biblical giving a pastor a wage is biblical authority and respect is biblical I'm not above correction I'll receive correction from anybody but respect should be extended to anybody. I don't even care if it's the checkout person. They're worthy of your respect. I don't care if it's your garbage man or your kid's teacher. They are worthy of respect. At the absolute minimum, you would think that the man that's trying to lead you to Jesus and has given his life over to the ministry, you could pepper what you say and what you do to him with an air of respect. I don't think that's too much to ask. I speak to you respectfully. I would expect the same in return. I am submitted to other pastors pastors in my life. We're an independent, non-denominational church, but I answer to Pastor Ong and Pastor Birch and Pastor Butcher. All those guys' names are on the website. You call up Pastor Butcher and you tell him that I am in error and I am leading you astray. He can get from Sacramento here on that day and you've seen him. He can take me. He really can. (laughs) He'll take me. Through this whole process, I've been talking to Pastor Ong, and I'm like, what, what's wrong with me? Like, what, what am I doing wrong? And he said, you tell them. Give them my number. I will talk to them about you. 
You know, and I, and I honor those guys. It's good to have pastors that I'm submitted to the elders of this church. I mean, if you really want to get me out of here, talk to Kevin, Jay, and Todd, because the three of those guys can vote me out. So you turn, that's, if you're looking for a plan, turn those three guys and they can vote me out. This is a, this is a church that believes in grace. We believe in grace at this church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself, lest no man should be able to boast. Do not get it twisted. I do not believe that you can save yourself. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can redeem. Only Jesus can set free. I do believe that he worked out our salvation, but now we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's what the word of God says. We don't act a certain way to get saved. We act a certain way because we are are saved we don't we don't stop sinning so that Jesus would save us we stop sinning because he saved us amen and so we believe that 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 we must work out our salvation that we shouldn't just walk willy-nilly in this world Amen? amen this is a church that is part of the global body of Christ people like you think faith and victory is the only church going to heaven no I do not we are just part of the fabric of Christianity I I know many pastors and many churches that are doing great works on this earth Romans 12 5 so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one with another Um, we are part of the global church And, and and here's what's hard is I try to be humble and so I don't post everything that I do on Facebook I don't talk about what I I do in my, outside uh, the church in my sermons because I don't, like the Bible says, like don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and do things unto the Lord. Like I literally pour into pastors all over the nation every single week. I, I, I really do. I mean, Pastor Birch uh, is, is over the whole entire state of New Jersey. He's got 57 churches. I help him with his ministry. I help Bogdan and Christian and, and all these other guys because I believe in church. It's the reason why I've been the leader of the Auburn Pastors group for the last eight years is because I, I, I want to see the city of Auburn have great churches with great pastors. And so I lead that group, but I don't come up here every week like, so this week when I was leading the pastors of Auburn, like I don't do that, but I believe in them. It's the reason why I go have that meeting with them and they're great churches. Go see Jesse at Grace or, you know, go see Chris at Stone or, you know, go see Chris over at Bible Chapel or New Day or Family Life or Real Life or Northwest Life or Everything Life. I mean, like go to those churches. Like it's great. It's fantastic. I do not, nor should you believe that faith and victory is the only church going to heaven. That is a lie. But this is a church that believes in church. We believe in church, man. 1 Timothy 3.15, if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. One of the biggest lies from the pit of hell that's going on in this age is this idea that you can be a Christian. You don't have to go to church. I don't know where this, well, I know where it came from. I don't have the time, to, but, but it's, it's literally completely different than how it's been for thousands of years. And somehow Jesus magically changed his mind and said, I don't want a publicly gathered group of believers that have a pastor over them that can lead them until my return. I believe in church. Buildings are not important, but what the church does in them 
is. Lives are changed inside her. We say, well, I believe in the church. I just don't think the church needs to have a building. Go to a doctor that doesn't meet it in a building and see how that works. Go to a library that doesn't have a building. You live in a building that seems to have some sort of value. We could all meet out in the park and just be, co- it was like 32 this morning, but it's kind of nice to meet inside of a building. Look at antiquity. When Jesus went to go preach, he went into the synagogue because it was there and he didn't stand in the synagogue and be like, these buildings are bad. Destroy them all because I'm starting this new thing where people never meet in buildings again. He didn't say that at all. The Bible is for the church. It belongs to the church. This is the manual for the church. And the church is for Jesus. The church is his body. And we are his body. And I've told you guys many times, look in the book of Revelation. Jesus is coming back for churches. There's, you know, there's multiple churches that he's coming back for. But it better be a church that's in the truth. Amen? Amen. We are his body. Now, let me get into the good stuff. This is a church that wants to see people turn from their sins and be saved. Oh my gosh. Luke 5.32, Jesus, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's what Jesus said. And so, man, this guy just seems to talk about sin all the time. That's because Jesus wants you to turn from them. 1 Timothy 5.20, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. Rebuke in the presence of all. It would be very interesting to see how sins were changed if I went around one by one and rebuked you publicly in front of the rest of everybody else. This is a church that wants to keep people from sin so they won't fall away. I don't know about you, but I've figured it out in my life. Sin ruins lives. The wages of sin is death. Nothing good comes out of sin. And so because I love you, I want to keep you from sin. I don't want you to experience the the destruction of sin. I don't want you to experience uh, the, the destruction of what it has in your life. I want you to experience life everlasting. It's interesting. People that have dealt with a sin never get tired of sin being talked about. You know, when when I was addicted to pornography, I used to hate sermons about pornography because I always felt convicted. Like, can we talk about something else? And then you get delivered from it and you're like, praise God, someone else is going to get delivered. Hallelujah. People that get tired of talking about a sin are people that are still stuck in it. Because they're like, oh, why do I have to stay stuck in this thing? Get out of it, man. Move on in Jesus' name. I want you to be delivered. This is a church that will preach the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is our message. This is our call. This is what we preach. And if you get tired of me preaching the gospel, you will get tired of me preaching because I am never going to stop preaching the gospel. We are, we are a, uh, praise God. We're a church that people visit. We're a church that people come to. But if we're not leading them to Jesus, what are we doing? It's a waste of their time and a waste of our time. Our call is to lead people to Jesus. Why? Because it's for him and his glory. When you get saved, it's for him. It's not for me. Because now you're worshiping God and you're lifting up his name and you're giving him glory. And it makes God famous on this planet. Amen? Amen. Now this is a church that will preach with conviction. And if you don't like me preaching with conviction, you are not going to like this church. I'm, I'm just an emphatic person, man. That's just who I am. And what you guys don't understand is I'm actually holding back. And so like, we're like, well, I gotta be like that because I'm just like, yeah, like this is who I am. 
talk to my kids. My kids are like, Dad, you're always yelling at me. I'm, I'm not yelling. I'm just being emphatic. <laughs> Clean up your dishes, please. <laughs> like, it's, it's just who I am, man. And I'm sorry that God made me big. And I'm sorry that God made me loud. But that's just, that's just who I am. Yeah. I mean, talk to the Alexanders. They'll tell you when I was a kid, all the, all the PTA moms thought I was on drugs. I wasn't on drugs. <laughs> just... <laughs> This is the subdued version of me. <laughs> Kevin knows. Yeah. Is it any different than college, Kevin? No. No. The Bible says in Colossians 1.28, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. If you feel it a little bit while you're here, good. I want you to grow. It's the reason why I brought in Pastor Chris on Wednesday. If you didn't listen to that message, listen to it. It was fantastic. I grew on Wednesday. I was like, ow, man, that hurts. Because I want it to hurt, man. I don't need to come down to church and give me a bunch of flowers and foo-foo and tell me I'm awesome. I'm not awesome, man. I need more Jesus in my life. There's things in my life that need to be changed. I will continue to emphatically preach the truths of the Bible to you because I want you to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is my personality, and this is who I am. This is a church that does not tolerate sin. Amen. We will not tolerate sin, man. I'm doing everything that I can to get sin out of our church. Why? Because God doesn't like sin in his church either. And you look at other churches that, that seem to tolerate it, things do not go well for them. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, in the last days, maybe, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. From such people, turn away. I don't tolerate sin in myself in my wife, in my kids, so why would I tolerate it in my church? Like, I'm just not going to do it, man. R read the book of Revelation. God is coming back, uh, Jesus is coming back for a church. And some churches had condemnation and some churches had commendation. I want to be a Philadelphia church. I don't want to be a church that uh, Jesus says to us, why did you uh, hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate? Why did you hold on to that? And so we will be a church that will not tolerate sin. We're just not going to do it. This is a church that will disciple people. It's the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Nations teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and baptizing them as we will today in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the great commission from Jesus. It was the last thing he said before he left the earth. And so I take it seriously. It is important that you get saved, but getting saved isn't the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of that relationship. And discipleship is getting the word inside of you and getting right doctrine and getting right hearts. And so we will constantly be a church that disciples people. We we want to make people followers of Jesus that create followers of Jesus. It's what we're supposed to do. This is a church that will never change the message. Acts 4.12, nor is there any salvation, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we 
must be saved. There is one doorway to heaven, and it is through Jesus Christ. There is no other method, no other means. There is no other religion. There's nothing, none of it ever. You will never hear me say that there is any other way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And that message will not change. The method may change, but the message will never change. This is a church that will attack wrong theology. I have to do it. And the reason why I have to do it is because we live in the electronic age. You guys can watch videos and listen to podcasts and read books. And, and, and because people seem glitzy and nice, you're like, oh, this sounds good. And then all of a sudden, the pastor shows it in light of Scripture. Like, oh, wait, this is not good. It's not good at all. And this stuff is creeping and not creeping into the church. It's coming in full force, right? There, there's, a, there's an assault on the church in America. Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Antinomianism, it's a big $3 word. Do you know what that means? Anti-law. It says that there's no laws of God, that you can live in licentiousness and you can live however you want and somehow you're going to make heaven. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Humanism, which is really, uh, humanism is, is basically Satanism in the sense that it's worship of self and it's crept into the church, it's in the church and I'm doing everything that I can to take humanism out of our our church. What is humanism? Humanism sells you this idea that it's all about you. You want to sing songs about you and sing songs to you and, and, and cater to me because it's got to be all about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. That's what it's all about. Gnosticism, which is, which is everything is spiritual. And so it's like, oh, we can go against the word of God as long as we're being spiritual. And socialism and capitalism and the prosperity gospel and the social justice gospel. We have to speak against these cancers that infiltrate the church because God is going to come back and hold me accountable for what I teach you. And so I only want to teach you what the Bible says. And it's funny because you go through and you read in the book of Revelation and even all the way back into the early parts of the New Testament, Old Testament, there's nothing new under the sun. This is all the same things that have been going on forever to try to get people to not believe in Jesus. This is a church that wants you to die to yourself. If you feel the pain of like, how come it doesn't seem like he likes me? It's because I want you to die to yourself, man. The, 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 The greatest barrier between you and your spiritual growth is love of yourself. It's of you thinking that it's for you and it's about you. Jesus said, Mark 8, 35, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. It's not about your glory. It's about his glory. Is there spillover? Yeah, dude, I love living for Jesus. It's great. It's fantastic. But that's just like extra, right? I mean, it's just like something that happens. But I, uh, I believe that the, and again, refer back to all the scriptures that are in there. The, the greatest spiritual growth that you'll have in your life is when you realize that it's not about you, that you die to yourself, you die to your plans, you die to your desires, and you go before Jesus and you say, Jesus, what do you want of me? What do you desire of me? What do you want for my life? and then he gets the glory we do not cater to the individual here and so if you feel like well they didn't really seem to care what I thought well I do care what you think to a point but we're not going to readjust God's whole holy church to adjust to your sin like we're just not going to do that like that's not what we do here we're not going to cater to the individual we die to self for his glory so that more will praise him 
Now, this is a church that will worship God vertically. What do I mean by that? Is that some people have had problems because like, oh man, why can't we sing this song? I'm like, because that's a song singing to yourself. And I don't get out of bed on a Sunday morning to come down here and worship God so I can sing songs to myself. It's so that we can come together as the people of God and look towards the heavens and tell him how awesome he is. Hebrews 12, 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now, most of our songs will be to God and about God and not about you. Now, people, now listen, don't become that super religious person that's like, well, you know, Pastor, you said that in the sermon, then I found this one line, this one song, it seemed like we were talking about you, and I thought you said, like, listen, man, by and large, we're going to do the best we can to worship God vertically. And then people are like, well, you know, we shouldn't sing this song because it's from this ministry or this church, whatever. It's like, they don't even know who sings these songs. I'm like, yeah, that's a good biblical song. Let's sing that one. Like, it just doesn't matter. But the songs that we sing and the worship that we do has got to be towards him, not towards us, man. We didn't come down here so you can sing about I Can Only Imagine. Like, go drive in your car and sing that song. It'll make you feel good about yourself. But the, uh, the, the corporate body needs to be worshiping God together. Yeah. Exodus 20, verse 3 says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I mean, I, I don't have time to go into it, but if you go to Exodus ch- chapter 20, it talks about the people and they went up to the, uh, Moses was up on the mountain and they were down there and they took all their jewelry and they made a golden calf. They said, oh, let's worship this thing. They even called it God. They called it God and they were worshiping themselves because it was a graven image they made unto themselves. And so just think that somebody can use the word Jesus in a song and then all of a sudden it's a song to Jesus and you peel back the end you're like, no nah, man, this is a song about you. This isn't a song about Jesus at all. Worship of self is the greatest danger in the Christian church. Some songs must die. Now, this is a church that believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, literally chapters that talk about speaking in tongues and prophecy and words of knowledge and healings and all these other things. I believe in all of that, man. What I also believe is that we're a growing church that meets on Sunday that has a bunch of visitors. And if you're in here doing a bunch of weird stuff, the people don't understand. They're like, these people are nutty. And so I just don't, I just don't want to demonstrably do it on a Sunday morning sermon because I don't want to freak people out. And so Paul even said, you know what, I desire actually, instead of tongues, why don't you prophesy? Because when you prophesy, other people are going to be more edified versus tongues. And so it's just a distinctive of who we are and what we are. But don't go so far as to say, well, pastor doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit because he doesn't let people roll around on the floor and bark. Like, it's not how it is, man. (laughs) It's just not the truth. It's not at all. I speak in tongues. I believe in tongues. I believe in interpretation, prophecy, and all those other things. But I I believe more than anything in order. In order. This is a church that helps other churches. Acts 15, 41. And he went through Syria and uh, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. People knowing who we don't know and who we meet. And again, I don't herald it. But I, 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 I don't have the, the wherewithal to be like, man, it sure was nice to do this for this church today. I've told all the churches of the, pa- uh, of the pastors in Auburn. I said, listen, man, if you have a $500 or $1,000 problem, whether with your payroll or with paying the bills of your church, because some people don't, aren't flourishing and they're struggling. I'm like, dude, just let me know. And we have. We have. We, we've given money to other churches so they can pay their bills because well, I believe in other churches. I really do. And we'll, we'll continue to do that as well because I will tell you this. If you notice, the greatest force in this world is not the individual. It's the local church. The local church does more for this planet than anybody else. 
And this is a church that does missions. We will continue to do missions. Now, in, in, in Luke 24, 47, it says, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. We believe in going and building and preaching and we spend money on missions. Amen. Tens of thousands of dollars that we, that we use on missions. Why? Because we believe in it. We believe that it's of God. And there's other things that I have on the back burner that I've been working on for the last year that I can't talk to you guys about because people are like, well, when are we doing that? We're going to do it when we get there. But like, I'm literally talking to church planting organizations so that we can learn how to plant churches more effectively. I'm talking to another organization that we're going to go build churches in other places in the world. And, and watch this. We're going to build churches for another denomination because we are not part of a denomination, but that's a good denomination. So I'm like, hey, if somebody in Bolivia needs a building to be able to preach the gospel and it's part of a denomination that I think's you know, pretty cool, then yeah, it's fine. Let's go do that. And so we're going to continue to do that, man. We're going to continue to put out money. We're going to go and take risk. And sometimes you go and you take risk and that doesn't turn out how you had hoped. And so you bring those people back and you're like, hey, let's regroup and let's go try it again. You know what I mean? I tell you, man, I, I, I really love people that are willing to try. <laughs> this is a church that believes in tithing and offering and sacrificial giving. Matthew 6, 21, for your treasuries, that your heart will be also. 1 Corinthians 16, 1, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given orders to the churches in Galatia, so you must also do. Jesus used money in ministry. We use money in ministry. The gospel is free. The means aren't. Okay, uh, many, I mean, I got saved at a summer camp because a bunch of people gave a bunch of money to make a summer camp and they didn't realize that one day some guy was going to get saved and go out and preach the gospel. But it was the sacrificial giving of those people that created that summer camp that would, enabled me to be able to do what I need to do. It's funny, you talk about Judas. Judas was in charge of the money and he was in charge of the money that was in part of Jesus's ministry. People for some reason think that Jesus didn't use money in ministry, but he did. This is a church that believes in serving. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one, all of you, has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We serve because he first served us. The Bible says he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so when you serve, you have the heart of God. And some people say, well, you know, I served and the pastor never recognized it. If you were doing it for me, you were doing it for the wrong reasons. You do it for him and for him alone. And so he recognizes, he sees every last thing that you do and you're doing it unto him and for him. Every person in this church should have a ministry that they're serving in every single one of them this is a church that will love people john 3 excuse me 13 34 a new commandment i give you that you love one another as i have loved you that you also love one another by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, we will continue to have broken people that you're like, why is this person at the church? Because they need love. And so we want to love them. We want to accept them and then get them to turn from their sins and turn towards God in faith. And so we have to, everything that we do has to be covered under the umbrella of love. What we do and how we do it. And, and just because you tell somebody the truth doesn't mean that it's not loving. You know, I, I love my kids and that's why I tell my kids the truth. And here's my last point. This is a church that is preparing for Christ's return. I, I, I don't know if you do, but I actually believe that Jesus Christ is coming back one day. And so because I am a pastor and I'm, I'm over a church, I know that he's coming back for his church. And so I am preparing his bride for his return. And so when he returns, I want him to find me in a place that I've honored him and I've done everything that I can to try to lift his church to a, to a measure that he wants his church to be at. Ephesians 5.27, it says... 
that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We must live with an expectation of Christ's return. He's coming back. We need to live like it. It's going to happen sooner than you know it. Folks, that's who we are. Amen. That's who we are. And, and, and if any one of those things, you're like, I don't like that. I'm like, all right. But uh, there's a bunch of scriptures in there to support it. I encourage you this week to go back and reference it. Again, it's not exhaustive. There's a bunch of other things. But just based on time, I want to cover some big rocks so that you can have them. I love you. We love you. We want you here. Um, I want to do big things for Jesus for no other reason than he's worth it, man. He really is. And, and, and I, I just I want more people to give him praise. I want more people to give him glory. I want more lives to be changed. And I need your help to do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Would you close your eyes? Oh, Jesus, we love you this morning, God. Praise you and we thank you. If you're not a Christian this morning and you'd like to become one, I'd like to invite you to do so. It's really quite easy. Either, either you're living for Jesus or you're not. Either you're giving your heart to him or you haven't. And the Bible says very clearly, it's like you got to turn away from your sins and turn towards Jesus and be forgiven. But it's a life change. It's a direction change. It's not a superstition of like, oh, I'm going to get uh, saved and then I'm going to go off and live my life to myself. No, drop your nets, come and follow Jesus. And if you've never made that decision before and you need to do that, excuse me, for the very first time, would you raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be set free. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? Hand held high. Now, maybe you've been far from God. Maybe you're like, man, pastor, I, uh, I've been so far from him. I've, uh, I've lost my way and I've been waiting for a moment to come back. I've been waiting for a moment where I could just give my life to him once again. He's been right behind you. You just need to turn around and fall into his arms. He's right there. And so I'm not talking about a bad week or a bad weekend. I mean, like you've been away from God and you've been waiting to come back and you've been needing that moment. I want to pray with you this morning. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I need to come back to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision today? Father, I pray that I made you proud this morning. God, I pray that I preached your heart. I pray that you'd be Lord over this church, Lord over all of us. God, we love you. God, we love what you do in us and through us. Father, we pray that you'd be glorified, that you'd be lifted up. Father, we'd bring glory to your name and your name alone. In Jesus' name, amen.